boy, oh boy. Welcome back, everybody. Woo. We got a lot of news coming out of the NBA in the Western Conference mainly. We got some news to break down. I'm going to break down some of these moves that has been made. Uh, some some notable teams and some notable people um, with, with this news. Also, big week in the NFL. Some big matchups. And then we got a mega fight, mega boxing match. Lomachenko versus Lopez. That is going to be a good fight. Plus, we got some college football. The Big Ten is almost, the, the Big Ten is back damn near. SEC football, Alabama, Georgia, number two versus number three. So, it's a, it's a big sports weekend. And plus, not to mention MLB baseball. And it's just a lot going on. So, we're going to start with the NBA. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Big moves. A lot of big moves. Some big games. Big matches. It's a great weekend for sports. If you're a sports fan, this is a great weekend. Hope everybody out there is doing fine. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Get it started. Get it started. Get it started. So as I mentioned already, big. If you're a sports fan, this is a big weekend. And we got some big time matchups in the NFL. I already talked about Pittsburgh and Cleveland, um, Kansas City and Buffalo. Now we had, and you also got the America's Game of the Week: Green Bay versus the Buccaneers. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. That's gonna be a goodie. Um, but let, like I said, let's start with the NBA first and foremost. How's everybody doing out there? Um, election season is there. It's or it's it's here, rather. Um, we're we're about what two, we're about two and a half weeks removed. Um, so go ahead and do that. Do what you guys got to do. Do what you feel best. I'm not here to sway you in any direction. Do what you got to do best. Um, vote for the candidate that you want to vote for. I'm not here to sway you, but uh, I'm your humble and highly, highly favored host, Isaiah Kitt. Welcome back. Welcome back. So NBA in a big move. We got some. We got. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about some NBA topics right now. So we got Ty Lue getting a five year deal from the LA Clippers. Ty Lue is going to be the new. He, Ty, Tyron Lue is going to be the new Clippers coach. We got Daryl Morey stepping down as GM of the Houston Rockets. I'm going to tell you about that. And then, or also, we got the Lakers' biggest obstacle. So as expected, um, the Lakers are the favorite to win it all next year. They're the favorites. But I'm going to talk about who I think the Lakers' biggest obstacle 
is. So, um, so LeBron, so coming into next, ne- coming into next year, whether it starts in January or February and so forth, the Lakers are the favorites. Um, Anthony Davis, he is going to opt out of his deal. He's going to become a free agent, but Laker fans, don't worry. He's going to resign. And that was kind of a no brainer. Of course, Anthony Davis is going to resign. I don't, have to, I don't have to break down that whole process. But the Lakers, they have LeBron going into year 18. By the time the season starts, he'd be the age of 36. And he'd be the best player in basketball. Um, and now we have Anthony Davis. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't call Anthony Davis an emerging star, but he is definitely up his status. And some people might call Anthony Davis the second best player in the league, right after his teammate LeBron James. So this begs the question: who or what team is the Lakers' biggest obstacle? What team presents the most threat to the Lakers going back-to-back and winning back-to-back titles? Who poses the threat? Is it the Nets with KD and Kyrie? Is it Golden State with Steph and the Splash Bros, Klay Thompson? Or is it the Clippers again? You gonna put your eggs in that basket? I don't know. Or is it the is it the young and youthful Denver Nuggets, the comeback kids, as we like to call them, and they certainly earned that name. Or you know, is it one of the teams that we're not talking about? The, the you want is it one of the young teams like the Dallas Mavericks? Is it one of those teams? I don't know, but. If I had to tell you right here, right now, I'm going to say the Warriors. I think Steph, and I've been talking about this, I've been talking about this Warriors team since last year. And I know, I know some of you guys was, was asking, how do I feel about the Warriors in their future? And I said, I've been talking about this thing for a whole year now. And I basically said, the Warriors are going to be fine, I think. We all knew they was going to struggle with no Klay Thompson, Durant exiting and going to Brooklyn. They, I mean, they, they, they revamped, they basically revamped their entire supporting cast. Steph Curry got hurt. He was out for damn near the whole season. But I told you guys, I told you guys, and I said, the Warriors will be back. They got a smart front office. They still have their core pieces in Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond with Steve Kerr. And I told you guys they'd be back. And they have the number two pick in the draft. They added a third guy in Andrew Wiggins. They got they got a couple young pieces that they like, like Kavon Looney, Eric Pascal. I like the pieces that the Warriors have. Now, as constructed, I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers. As constructed, I don't think they beat the Lakers. But 
do I think they would give the Lakers a great series or give the Lakers a great run for their money? Certainly. With Clay and Steph, I think Steph take, basically taking a whole year off, resting his body after five straight NBA Finals, I think Steph would be rejuvenated. And I think you may see an MVP caliber season from Steph. Klay Thompson, he took a whole year off. The ACL, Klay Thompson's never been a guy that's relied on athleticism. Maybe he loses a step on defense, but Klay Thompson is still one of the best shooters, if not the second best shooter in the league. So I'm going to go with the Warriors. Kevin, Kevin Durant and, and, and Kyrie and Brooklyn, they look very interesting. Um, two really talented, offensive, gifted players. Steve Nash as the coach. And then you look at Brooklyn's young core, Spencer Dinwiddie, Curtis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, who they have to resign. Brooklyn do they Brooklyn do strikes you as a team like hey this Brooklyn team could be really good next year and I think they will but I think the one key question that I have for Brooklyn is what does Kevin Durant look like after the ace after the Achilles tear because after after an Achilles injury I, and I, I don't know maybe I don't know maybe because it's Kevin Durant maybe because we just forgot about it. But Kevin Durant's going into year 13. I think he'd be the age of 32 going on 33. And he's coming off an Achilles injury. And I think we tend to forget when, especially basketball players. I'm just gonna keep it, I'm just gonna keep it relevant to basketball and basketball players. When basketball players suffer, when they suffer Achilles injuries, they usually don't come back the same. They usually don't come back the same guy. The, the, the one standout example in basketball history where as far as like a player, a star player comes back as somewhat of, of like somewhat of himself, like a similar version of himself was Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins had the Achilles tear. And he came back and he, he was averaging like 27, 28 points. And he was still really good. But you look at you, you, you look at the tail of the tape, you look at history, usually, it usually doesn't happen like that. And with the and with Durant, I know his game doesn't predicate off of mainly it, it, his game isn't predicated off of athleticism and how high he can jump. No, it's not. But I still think it's going to play an important factor on what this Brooklyn team's ceiling is. If, if KD comes back 85% of himself, yes, Brooklyn will be amongst the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I will probably have them as the best team in the Eastern Conference. But, 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 if KD... Is it the same guy? I don't know what to say. 
So let's move on. Um, Ty Lu gets a five-year deal from the Clippers at, to be the new head coach. And I'm happy for Tyron Lue. Um, as a player, he won, champ- he won a championship with the Lakers. Uh, backup point guard. He was tougher than a $2 stake. Um, and I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy for Tyron Lue. I'm glad that he got another coaching job. I thought he did a good job with in Cleveland with LeBron. And I know some of you guys are going to say, well, it's with LeBron. He, he was coaching LeBron. I think that's still, that's still very hard to do. That's still hard to manage like stars. Especially, it's, it's, it's really hard to manage a superstar of LeBron's caliber. Um, and I think Tyron Lue did a good job with that. So I'm happy that he get he got another coaching opportunity, um, and what Tyron Lue did throughout this process was smart. He entertained Houston, he entertained the Pelicans, and I, I think it was a report where the Rockets was they were very close to giving Tyron Lue a deal, and then that's when the Clippers he forced the Clippers' hand, and the Clippers gave him the five year deal. All along, I knew I knew Tyron Lue was going to be the next Clipper coach. When they fired Doc Rivers, I already had assumed that, yeah, this is going to be a promotion for Tyron Lue. Um, he's going to be the next coach of the Clippers. That is what I thought. That is what happened. Now, I like Tyron Lue, but he was a part of the massive choke job that happened with the Clippers Last month, he was a part of that team. He was a part of that team. He was. He was a part of that team last year. He was the assistant coach. So, he, you know, there was Doc, and then there was Tyron Lue. <laughs> and nobody could stop the bleeding. So, I just, I just want the simple question of, how is this roster going to get better? How is this roster going to get better? I mean, I think they still need a true point guard. And Kawhi Leonard, he hinted at this, but I don't want Kawhi Leonard hinting at nothing. I don't want him hinting at nothing. But I I, I think the Clippers need a true point guard. Um, Looking at Pat Bev, okay. Pat Bev is a one. He's more of a one-way player. He's Pat Bev is more. He's he's more of a one-way player. Great defender. Offensively, he's subpar. He can somewhat hit the three a little bit. And then they need better. They need better big men. They need more rim protection. But Chauncey Billups is also the Clippers' assistant. So. He's also going to be in the staff with Tyron Lue. I think the main thing for Tyron Lue is what he has to do different. What he what he has to do different with Doc did last year. He has to hold Kawhi Leonard accountable. He has to. I mean, Doc. There was reports. There was reports that came out earlier today that stated guys like Lou Will. Montrez Herald, they were a bit disgruntled 
because of the Kawhi, because of the treatment that Kawhi was getting. And all throughout the year, I thought the Clippers were very arrogant. I thought they had attitude issues. Um, the low management thing, it didn't work. They, they, they had chemistry issues. It, whether it be health, whether it be low management, whether it be Kawhi taking nights off. There was also some reports that came out. Kawhi missing team, team flight or he's being late to team flights. You know, not participating in practice. Those are the type of reports that was coming out. And I think for Tyron Lue, he has a five-year deal. So he does have some, some job security. But the one thing he has to do different, he has to hold Kawhi accountable. And Kawhi, I know he isn't the, like, and this is one thing I give LeBron props on. And I think this is what separates LeBron from your average star or your average superstar. LeBron, he makes others around him better. He elevates others around him. He elevates others around him. And also... LeBron, like, unlike Kawhi, LeBron is used to expectations. LeBron's been having expectations since high school. But let's be honest with Kawhi Leonard. This was the, like, this past year, his first year with the Clippers, this was the first real year that Kawhi Leonard has had expectations Weighing on his shoulders. Think about it. When he was in San Antonio, there was no expectations weighing on Kawhi Leonard's shoulders. The Spurs were already a great team. They had already won. They have already won multiple titles. Tim Duncan was the face of the Spurs. Greg Popovich, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker. He had all these veterans who 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 exemplified leadership. Kawhi didn't have to be the leader with the Spurs. Then you take a look at Toronto. Yeah, he gets traded. Yeah, he's the best player. He was the best player on the Raptors. But the Raptors already had leadership in place. They had Masai Ujiri. They had Kyle Lowry. Yes, I mean, Kyle Lowry, he wasn't... He, he, you know, he would he would often underperform in the postseason. But Kyle Lowry was the heart and soul. He was the heartbeat of the Raptors. He was the leader of the Raptors. Wasn't Kawhi Leonard? He was Kyle Lowry was the he was the leader of the Raptors. Wasn't Kawhi? So there wasn't much expectation. There wasn't a lot of there, there was there was nobody saying, "Oh, the Raptors are favored to win the titles." Win, to win the win the title. There was nobody saying, "Oh, Kawhi, he has to win a chip with the Raptors." There was nobody saying that. They just had a great playoff run, and Kawhi had played well. He did his job, but now, this past year, 
after winning the title, after winning finals MVP, going to the Clippers, coming back home to L.A., he had these New Balance commercials where he was saying this is his town. He's the real king of L.A. There was some expectations on Kawhi. And the moment Kawhi, the moment expectations was on Kawhi Leonard's shoulders, that was the moment it went downhill. Low management, not really the thing. Didn't really help out. So Kawhi, I need to see a more invested Kawhi. I know he's not vocal, but some way, somehow, he got to impose some type of form of leadership with this team and elevate others. And then Paul George. Paul George. Oh, my gosh. Can, can Paul George be a second option on a championship team? Like, can he? Let's be honest. I think some, of, I think some people are too nice. Let's be honest. Can this guy, Paul George, be a second option on a championship team? We know damn well he can't be the first option, but can he be the second option? I don't think so. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't think so. I got a lot of people that tell me, oh, you need to, you need to buy into Paul George. I never did it. I never bought into Paul George. I never bought into it. So those are just some questions I have for, um, for the Clippers and Tyron Lue. But I am happy that he got the job. So let's move on to Daryl Morey. So let's move on to Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets. Um, he resigned as the Rockets GM. Um, and I kind of saw this coming. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I kind of saw this coming. I talk about the Rockets quite often. Um, I don't know. You guys can go probably go back, but before, but if you don't remember, and if you don't want to go back, I just say it. Before the bubble started, I talked about how this was like this was basically the Rockets' last run as far as Mike D'Antoni and and Daryl Morey, um, owner. Tillman Fatita, he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a guy, he's an owner that wants to win now. And to his credit, he does spend money. He's not one of these cheap owners. He does go out and spend money. But I kind of saw this Daryl Morey resignation coming. I kind of saw it coming. Um a lot a, a lot has happened. He they had the China incident that didn't go well. No, nobody really benefited from that China situation. It was just a screwed up situation. I don't think more. I, I don't want to touch base. I don't want to go deep into it. But I don't think what Maury was saying was completely wrong. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and then now, you know. He he's had thirteen years. As I mentioned, Tillman Fertitta, he didn't hire Dan, he didn't ha, he didn't hire Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey 
was he's been with the Rockets for 13 years. Um, he's had some success, but I I do want to touch on some things because I I do I do get quite confused or a bit confused with how the NBA media go about some things or how the media portray certain people. Because I look at a guy like Daryl Morey. He was there with the Rockets for 13 years. Um, in his 13 years, the Rockets had a 60 win. They had a 61 win percentage. They had a 61 win percentage. Since Daryl Morey's since, since 2007, when Daryl Morey first got there, all the way up to now, the Rockets have a 61 win percentage. And that is second in the NBA behind the Spurs since twenty since two thousand and seven. So he wins sixty percent of his games. That was second behind the Spurs. Um, now I must say, Maury, Daryl Maury, he's a smart guy, MIT type of guy. Like he's 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 smart. Daryl Maury is smart. Um, he's all into analytics. Now, I'm not anti-analytics, but I do think some, like, I think the Rockets and Daryl Moore, they were using it a bit too much. I think the analytics, they, 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 like, too much, and too, it was just too much analytics with the Rockets. It was too, it was too much analytics. And if you look at some of his moves that he made, like some of his big time moves, they weren't necessarily analytic driven. Like they went out and got Chris Paul. Mike D'Antoni wants to shoot threes. Chris Paul is a mid-range specialist. Analytics usually points to mid-range shots being the worst shot. Or for another example, Dwight Howard. Daryl Morey went out and got Dwight Howard. Once again, analytics, Dwight Howard, not really a match. <clears throat> let's just keep it, let, let's, just, let's just put it that way. Analytics, Dwight Howard, not really a match. Not in today's game. As far as analytics, quote unquote. But I do think his his overall his tender in Houston I don't think it was a I don't think it was a failure I look at what this I look at where this Rockets team was and yeah they won two titles with Hakeem Olajuwon they had success and they had some success in the 80s they got to a couple finals in the 90s they won two titles as I already mentioned but in the early 2000s in the mid-2000s, the Rockets weren't a great team. They weren't, they weren't a great team. Daryl Morey takes over. They become, they, they become a, perenni a perennial playoff team. They went out and traded for James Harden. He, he did get the trade for James Harden. J he, you know, James Harden has turned into an MVP caliber player in the regular season. So I think like I think that's and, and this is this is where I get misconstrued where this is where this is the point because 
if you don't win a title, and yes, I know the ultimate goal in sports is to win the championship. That's the ultimate goal in sports. That's why that is why that is that is why coaches and players and owners and GMs and executives that's why they work their tails off because they want the ultimate goal in sports is to win championships. Everybody wants to win championships. Oh well, most teams. Now, if you're a team that's just tanking, you you know you're you're doing your you're doing your thing, you're tanking. But most teams want to win a championship. And I look at it as simple as this: the Daryl Morey under the Rockets. Couldn't beat Golden State and the Warriors. And this past year, they weren't better than the Lakers. They weren't better than the Lakers. Sometimes you just run into better teams. Um, and also, the market situation. Yes, Houston is a great market. You know, Houston's a great place to live at. Um, the Texas, no, no, no income tax. You know, that's 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 a great that's a great benefit, right? But when I think of the Houston Rockets, I mean, Houston, it's a big market. And I think it's the fourth largest economy in the U.S. as far as city. I think it's like the fourth largest economy. But, like, Houston isn't the spot where you're like, where people are daydreaming about. It's not New York or, it's not New York or L.A. It, it's not New York or L.A. It, it, Houston is a good market. But you're not daydreaming. You're not daydreaming about Houston. You're not daydreaming about Houston. You're like, oh, boy, oh, boy, I would love to go to Houston. Like, nobody, nobody daydreams about that. Nobody said, oh, you know, where should I go, L.A. or Houston? Uh, you choosing L.A. At least I am. Okay? It's not L.A. or New York. Um... So I think you had that going in. But the most important part about this whole Daryl Moore situation, not just that Tillman Fertitta, he he wants to win now. Not just that the Lakers, they ran into the Lakers and the Warriors the last few years. And not just that Houston is, it's a big market. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. And and if you're from Houston, if you're from H-Town, don't take that to offense. Don't take that to offense. I'm not saying that your city's not great. It's a great city. It's an entertaining city. But it ain't quite L.A. It ain't New York. People aren't daydreaming. And, you know, great land. You can get a great property in Houston. But it ain't L.A. Let's be honest, okay? But I think the key thing is, is James Harden. Yes, Daryl Moore made the trade for James Harden, which, I mean, James Harden has turned into, you know, since leaving OKC, he's essentially turned into an MVP caliber player on a yearly basis in the regular season. And that's the problem. Um, We have a track record of James Harden underperforming in the biggest moments in the postseason. We have a track record of Russell Westbrook underperforming in the postseason. And, you know, I, I, I like, like, and you guys probably won't believe it, but I like Russell Westbrook. I just call him Russell Westbrook because he's a bad shooter. He's a bad three-point shooter, and he insists on continuing to take threes. But you look at, you, I mean, sometimes, yes, 
Harden's a superstar quality player. Yes, you would love to get to the finals at least once and have a shot at it. But let's be honest. Let's let's have a real conversation about James Harden. James Harden is just, he, he he's gonna he's gonna go down. And I talked about this once again. I talked about this a couple months ago. James Harden, I think, is gonna go down as one of those players who scored a lot of points. He was able to get a lot of buckets. He got an MVP. But when you need the most in the postseason, in big moments, in big spots, uh, James Harden's not there. He's not there. James Harden's not there. Defensively, he hasn't quite, he, he, you know, he's starting to buy into defense a little bit, but in past years, the defense was not there. And then you tried, you, you, and then Daryl Morey, he tried bringing in co-stars such as Dwight Howard, didn't work out. Uh, Wesley Westbrook, didn't work out. Chris Paul, didn't work out. And Chris Paul and Harden, they were the close, they, like, that duo, that was the, that was a good match. They were close to the, they, they were one game away from the NBA Finals. And then, you know, Harden, I mean, West, I mean Chris Paul gets hurt. And then, you know, the Rockets missed 27 straight three-pointers. But Chris Paul and Harden couldn't get along. They couldn't get along. So that sounds like a, a James Harden problem. That doesn't sound like a Daryl Morey problem. So, and, and, and I heard a few, and I just, I've just been hearing people say, hey, Daryl Morey, he's overrated. I don't think he's overrated. Now, I, I'm not saying Daryl Morey is the best GM. I'm not saying he's the best GM in the league, but boy, I mean, as far as, you know, everybody, like I said, every team wants to win a title. Every team has championship aspirations. And at the end of the day, only one team at the end of the season is happy. And if you can't win a title, what's, what's the next best result? A perennial playoff team that's competitive. And that is what the Rockets have been under uh, under under Daryl Morey. They've been a really competitive team, exciting to watch. They have a, a they have a, a a good superstar. He's just not a he's just not a good regular season performer. I mean, he's just not a good postseason performer. But they have had they they've had their shots. And. So for people to say Daryl Morey overrated or for people to say, you know, he's not that good of a GM, uh, I'm not really, I'm not quite buying into that because I, I just look at the situation. I, I give it context and so forth. But let's move on. Um, and a quick side note, the Dodgers, oh, my God, they're down three to one in this series versus the Braves. It seems like every year, the Dodgers, they're supposed to win it all. And especially this year. I, did, I, I think, I, like, I talked about this before baseball season started. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. But the Dodgers, it seems like they always, they've won eight straight division titles. They, they've won, they've won, they have dominated the NL West. They have dominated. They have won that division eight straight times. They got into the World Series a couple times against the Red Sox, against the against the Astros. 
We all know about the Astros situation. The Red Sox, we think they were cheating as well. So, I don't know. But I do find this interesting. Clayton Kershaw, and I like Clayton Kershaw, um, great pitcher, one of the best pitchers of my generation. Um, a great regular season pitcher. This is, and look at it, and I have his ERA. His ERA in a regular season throughout his career is 243. That's, that's, that's great. His ERA is 243 in the regular season. But in the wild card in NLDS, it's three it's it's three point six eight. In the NLCS, it's four point it's four eighty four. And then in the World Series, it jumps all the way up to five forty. So, um Kershaw, I you know, that's always been the stigma with him. Not be you know, great regular season pitcher, but in the postseason, he's just not the same guy. And it seems like it's weighing on him. It seems like it's weighing on him because that's been the story of his career. Great regular season pitcher. Great. But uh, under has underperformed as a pitcher in the biggest spots. So let's move on to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, previous episode, I talked about Le'Veon Bell and I said, hey, Le'Veon Bell, I thought he shouldn't have left Pittsburgh. It's just certain places you don't leave. Pittsburgh is one of those organizations, one of those franchises that um, they do a good job. <laughs> they do a good job with their players. Um, so later, uh, you know, yesterday he signed um, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, his three options were the Bills, Dolphins, and Chiefs. I thought, so this, this is how I was thinking about it. The Chiefs, that was a great option. Um, the Chiefs has a, they have a lot of weapons. I mean, it, it, it's I mean, how do you how do you guard them? How do you play defense, and how do you defend all of those weapons with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? I don't know. That's not my. That's not. I'm not a defensive coordinator. I don't know. That's going to be difficult. But I thought if Le'Veon Bell really wanted to show how productive he can still be. The best opportunity might have been with the Buffalo Bills because they are looking for a guy and a running back like Le'Veon Bell. Um, and I thought if he was able to go to the Bills and he was able to take them to the next level, I think that would show his worth. But instead, he went with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think he's going to be productive. Andy Reid, I mean, damn sure. I mean, he's going to damn sure be productive. Andy Reid, I'm sure he's going to incorporate Le'Veon Bell into the game plan. I'm sure Mahomes is excited. But in Kansas City, it's like it's like one of those Golden State things. It's like, yeah, it's a great spot. And he, I think he's going to play well. But the opportunity and the shine, he could have got more shine in Buffalo. You're just going to be a, you're just going to be another name in Kansas City. You're going to be another name. They're going to talk about Travis Kelsey. They're going to talk about Tyreek Hill before they even bring up Le'Veon Bell. You're just going to be another name. But I think that's a good spot for Le'Veon. Obviously, he wants to win. Um, so, and the, I think the Chiefs play the Jets coming up soon. So, that should be interesting. Um, now, let's move on. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to stay on that topic long. 
You guys know what time it is. It is time for my top 10 teams of the week. We're going into week six. These are my top 10 teams going into week six. We do this on a weekly basis. I got an interesting list. I think you guys are going to be proud. Okay, so here's the top 10 list going into week six. Let's start the music. Okay, at 10, I got to admit, I got the Cleveland Browns, but I'm glad. I predicted before the season started, I told you guys, Kevin Stefanski is going to run, run, run the football. That's what he did in Minnesota. He was really successful. Got him to the playoffs several times. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, even though Nick Chubb is hurt, this is a great running football team. Their first in run percentage, their first in run run yards, rushing yards per game, their first in 10-yard rushes. So they're breaking out for big runs. I, I like what Cle- I love what Kevin Stefanski is doing. I think he's the perfect match, the perfect fit with Baker. Um, keeping Baker limited, managing the game, being the game manager. That's where he needs to be at. The Browns are form one. They play a really serious game versus Pittsburgh this upcoming weekend. I don't know how they're going to fare, but I got the Browns at 10. At 9... The Rams and Sean McVay. I love Sean McVay. Great play innovator. The only thing with the Rams is they've been beating up on the NFC East. They beat the Cowboys. They beat Washington football team. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Giants. They haven't beat anybody else. But you know what? The first in the league in sacks. Um, I don't know. Maybe because Washington's O-line made them look like the 70 Steelers, the 85 Bears. I don't know. But this is a very formidable team. I do think they have limitations. I want to see how Jared Goff handles it. But this is a really good football team. That is why I have them at nine. At eight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have O-line issues. They're not disciplined. They have talent. The talent's not an issue. They're just not disciplined. They're too loosey-goosey. Beer, happy hour at 4 o'clock. Beers at 5. Just ain't my forte. I just don't see that as... That's not a championship quality team. When you're, when you're, when you're playing like that, undisciplined, a lot of penalties, you're not a championship quality team. But they do get back some key players this week. So, Buccaneers at 8. Um, at 7... I got Belichick and the Patriots. I think this is a really good football team. Um, They haven't played. They're 2-2. But they get Cam back. Cam is healthy. Stephon Gilmore is healthy. I think this is a really good football team. And if you're in the AFC, watch out for New England. They are still there. Um, At 6, the Buffalo Bills. I mean... The Buffalo Bills. Okay, so they had a tough loss versus Tennessee. Now everybody wants to jump on the Tennessee bandwagon. I'm not going to do that. But, but, I give you this. Teams are playing more zone versus Josh Allen. And it's very similar to Patrick Mahomes, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But teams are playing a zone versus Josh Allen, and they're forcing him to make reads. 
But I don't think Josh Allen the problem. The real problem is that damn defense. That defense, it got to, I mean, they're just not generating enough stops. Simple as that. So I got the Bills at six. At five, I have the Pittsburgh, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, excuse me. Um, I like this Steeler team. I like Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, he's a defensive-minded guy. He has a great defense. His offense is looking really good. Tell me why Pittsburgh always have great receivers. Pittsburgh always have great receivers. I mean, they always have great receivers. <laughs> they found another one in, in, in Claiborne. I mean, he's, they find, they, they, I mean, their scouting department for receivers are excellent. Pittsburgh at five. The only thing with Pittsburgh is they haven't beaten anybody. They've been playing bums. But I got to put them at five. At number four, the Seattle Seahawks. It's in Russell Wilson, I trust. In Russell Wilson, I trust. Say it again. In Russell Wilson, I trust. This defense is giving up a record amount of yards. Yes, I know they have Jamal Adams missing, but damn, I think Seattle needs to make a trade at the trade deadline to bring in more pass rushing because they lack pass rushing. They can't get to the quarterback. Quarterbacks don't feel uncomfortable when they play in Seattle. But I got Seattle at four. Um, at three, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Great running team. The Ravens are a great running team. But they got to expand this passing game. And I'm not saying they got to be pass dominant. I'm not saying they got to change their style of play. But they do. They, they have to expand the passing game for Lamar Jackson. Because you're not going to always be winning the game. You're not going to always have the lead. So you got to expand the passing game. Baltimore at three, though. At two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, their defense has let them down. Their defense is resulting back to their old ways. But I think, enough, once again, similar to Josh Allen, they're, they're playing a zone on Patrick Mahomes. More defenses are playing zone. They're forcing Mahomes and Josh Allen to read and go through their progressions. And Mahomes and Josh Allen, they're leaving the pocket too prematurely. But I still got Kansas City at two. And at number one, I have the Green Bay Packers. Yes, I do. The Green Bay Packers at number one. They're, they, In the first five weeks, they look like the most complete team offensively and defensively. Their O-line, I've been, I've been talking about this O-line for the last couple weeks. This is the best offensive line that Aaron Rodgers has had in about six years. I think, you know, I'm not sure if, they can, I'm not sure if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think this team is very much capable of getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. I think they're capable of doing so, and that's why I have them at number one. Also, stop the music. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing at a high level, so I, I, I got to give him props for that. But more on to Josh Allen and Mahomes. What I'm noticing, or what I noticed 
The Raiders play more the Raiders play 75% zone. The Titans played zone um versus Josh Allen. And both Mahomes and Josh Allen lost. And I think I think teams I don't want to say they they're they're catching going, but instead of teams playing man and I never understood why teams tried to play man versus Kansas City. They just got too many weapons on the field, and it's easy for Mahomes to just pick out the, the, the matchup that he wants. Instead, the Raiders and the Titans played zone. They played zone, and the, 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 the Raiders, they were forcing Mahomes out of his comfort zone, and Mahomes was leaving the pocket prematurely, Made some made some careless throws. Um, the same could be said for Josh Allen. He got out of the pocket prematurely. I didn't think Josh Allen played that bad as people are trying to make it out to be. I think his defense is the real problem, and we need to talk about that. But that one, he did have a, a throw. He did have an interception where it was just a bad throw, bad read. Shouldn't have made that throw. But teams are playing more and more zone. And Mahomes and Josh Allen, I think, are going to have to pick their spots in the zone. Um, They're going to have to pick the windows. Those windows are much tighter to throw into. They're going to have to pick their spots in the zone. They're going to have to pick their spots in the zone. Um, So that is what I'm getting with uh, Dad. And like I said, my top ten list, I feel pretty comfortable about it. Um, I would just say... With my top four, I have Green Bay, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Seattle. Seattle, a couple teams have to make a, some trade deadlines. And you all, you, I do my top ten teams, but then later on in the season, I create my Super Bowl bubble. And usually the Super Bowl bubble or the Super Bowl circle that I create, it's a circle of Super Bowl teams. It's a circle of teams that I think can make the Super Bowl and possibly win it. And like Seattle, they're one of the better teams in the league. Seattle has to make, they have to make a trade at the deadline to bring in more pass rushing. They have to. Um, I think, I, I just think it's a must. Buffalo, they got to get their defense back on track. I, like even a guy, I don't know if, if, I don't know if Houston is interested in trading JJ Watt, but if Seattle was to get their hands well, if they were to enter, uh, entertain a trade like J.J. Watt, that may be the very thing that puts Seattle over the top because they lack pass rushing and they cannot rush the quarterback. They cannot rush the quarterback. And when and when you can call, and that's one, that's one thing I like about Green Bay, even with Tampa Bay, they can, they can, they can rush the passer. They can rush the passer and they can get to the quarterback. Seattle just can't do that. And they're giving and and and, and part of that, they're giving up a record amount of yards. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you guys my in my um my NFL week six predictions. Also, before I do that, like I, I also mentioned, big time week in college football. No Nick uh, well, Nick Saban, his status is still up in the air. He tested negative today. 
Um, he took another COVID-19 test. He tested, he tested negative. I think the rule is you have to have three negative tests in order to be back on the sideline if you're a coach or, you know. So we'll see what happens with that on that standpoint. But um, big game versus Georgia and Alabama. I'm, I'm very tempted to pick Georgia, but I'm going to take Alabama. Alabama's offense, high potent. I like their offense. Georgia defense is probably the best in the nation, but I'm going to take Alabama. I'm just going to take Alabama. Uh, you know. So week six predictions coming up, coming up next. <clears throat> so here goes my week six predictions my week six predictions uh and let's get into it um the first and by the way last week I didn't I did okay for my standards I did okay I went nine and five last week that's not good that's not bad that's really good for most people but you know we the IKP we hold ourselves to a higher standard so nine and five, that's a okay week. That's a mediocre week. Um, usually we, we're better than that. So we're gonna try to do better this week. Um Okay, so the first game of the docket, the Houston Texans versus the Titans. The Titans are three and a half point favorites. This game is at Tennessee. Um, I just think Tennessee is the better team. Now, I'm not all in on Tennessee quite yet. Uh, I'm just not. People are just, I mean, we just go with what's ever hot. We go with the flashy new toy. Um, Tennessee, everybody's just drooling over Tennessee. I do think they win this game, but I think it's close because they haven't blown out anybody except Buffalo. But if you look at their other three wins, they're versus bad teams, and they're all close games, and they're winning by the skin of their teeth. I'm going to give the edge to Tennessee, though. I'm, I think the Titans win this game 31-27. to 27. I just don't think the Texans have enough. Um, Washington versus the Giants. This game is at MetLife. The Giants are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to give the edge to the Giants. Um, the Giants' defense, surprisingly, hasn't been that bad. Now, their offense has been horrible, um, but it did start to gain some traction last week versus the Cowboys defense. But anybody can gain traction versus the Cowboy defense. The Giants are two and a half point favorites. I think I said that already. Um, but this is really a pick 'em game. This is a division rivalry game. Both teams are subpar. Both teams are hot garbage. Uh, I- I'm a go. With Washington, I think Washington is the more complete team. I just don't know what I'm getting from the Giants' offense. Plus, the Washington defense has been pretty good in spots this year. So, I think it's a low-scoring affair. I'm going to go 23-24, to the Washington football team. Um, Next on the docket, Atlanta versus the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go with Atlanta with this game. The, the, the Falcons are full-point favorites. Um, n- n- scratch that. I'm not going with Atlanta. I'm going with the Vikings. I, every time I bet on Atlanta, they always sell me short. 
I'm going to pick the Vikings. They're four-point favorites. Yes, they have no Dalvin Cook, but the Falcons have a litany of injuries in the secondary. Their defense is not good to begin with. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win this football game. I'm going to go with a score of 28-26. to 26. The Chicago Bears versus the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are one-point favorites. This is a tough game. I, every, I was so right about this Panthers team. Going into the season, I saw this Panther team as a team that could be really competitive and they could really spoil you some hopes. Chicago was coming off a big-time win versus, versus um, Tampa Bay. They did have more time off and more time to prepare. I, I'm, I'm so close to picking Carolina. I'm going to pick the Chicago Bears to win because I like Matt Nagy. I think he's an innovative offensive mind. But Matt Rule is doing a really good job with this Panthers team. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is playing some good football, even without Christian McCaffrey. But Carolina's defense does worry me. I'm going to go with Chicago. I I don't think there's going to be a high-scoring affair. affair. I'm going to go 26-21, to the Chicago Bears. Um... Next game on the docket, the Detroit Lions versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Lions are three-point favorites. I don't know how to feel about this particular game. Both teams are trash. Uh, I'm sorry to put it that way, but if you're, if you're, I mean, both teams are trash. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're three-point underdogs. I don't care. I'm gonna take the points. I think Jacksonville has a. I think. I think Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew can tear up this Matt Patricia's defense. So I'm gonna take the Jacksonville Jaguars to win. I uh, don't really care about this game, but I take the Jags to win. 20, 20, 28 to twenty. Twenty-eight twenty. Um. I. I you know. I think it's going to be pretty hot. I don't know. Okay, this game right here, I'm interested. Okay, I'm actually interested now. The Cleveland Browns versus the Pitts, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are four-point favorites. This game is at Heinz Field. I can't remember the last time the Browns beat the Steelers at Heinz Field. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to take the Steelers. I think the Steelers defense it's gonna it's gonna be able to figure out Cleveland. I think C- Cleveland, they've been really conservative. Baker, he's a little hurt this week. Pittsburgh front seven is one of the best in the league. I think Pittsburgh's defense is just gonna be a little bit better. And I think offensively, Big Ben and the Steelers will be able to make more plays offensively than Baker and the Browns. I'm going to take the Steelers to win 30-24. to 24. Um, Next game on the docket, the Indianapolis Colts versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Colts are eight-point favorites, and I'm going to take the Colts, but 
this game could be really interesting. But Joe Burrow is facing one of the best defenses in football once again. I think it's going to be he's going to have a hard time trying to find a rhythm. I think Indianapolis does just enough to squeak by. I'm going to go with Indianapolis to win this football game 24 to th- to 13. Um the Baltimore Ravens versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Ravens are nine and a half point favorites. I'm gonna take the points, and I think the Ravens win this football game. I'm gonna go with 33 to 22. 33-22. The Ravens. Uh, I think they run the football versus the Eagles. The Eagles are having offensive line troubles. They're having some trouble to the from protecting Carson Wentz. I think I think um I think Baltimore will get a couple sacks in and then beat up Carson Wentz a little bit. Um next game on the docket, one o'clock game, the Denver Broncos versus the New England Patriots. The Patriots are nine point favorites. I'm gonna take the Patriots. They have they've they've had a couple weeks, they've had a week off. They've had they got Cam back and Stephon Gilmore back. I think this team is going to feast all over this young Broncos team who has struggled all year. Not really a good football team. They got some injuries. I think New England wins this game 27-10. to 10. Um, Next game on the docket, the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are 9.5-point favorites. That's a lot of points. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins to win this game. Ryan Fitzpatrick played really well Now, do I, last week. Now, do I expect him to play that well next this week? Uh, I don't know. But it is the Jets. And anything is possible when, you have, when, you're, when, when, you're, when you're playing against the Jets. So I'm going to take the Dolphins to win 31 to, oh, 31 to 17. I just don't think the Jets offensively will have enough. Okay, this is probably the game of the week. The Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to take the the Packers are one-point favorites. This game is going to be really close, really tight. I'm going to take the Packers to win this football game. Uh, I just think the Buccaneers, they're too too undisciplined. They're too loosey-goosey. The Buccaneers, I mean, the Packers, they're clicking on all cylinders. Yes, the Buccaneers, they do get some key pieces back, which I think is going to be really important. But I think ultimately, with the O-line issues of the Buccaneers um, and the Smith, the Smith, uh, you know, brothers, they're not brothers, but the the Smith duo, I think they're going to pressure Brady a little bit. I see. I can see this being a high-scoring game. I'm gonna go with the Packers winning 35 to 30. Packers. Um, next game, Sunday Night Football, the Rams versus the 49ers. I'm gonna go with the Rams. The Rams are three-point favorites. The 49ers have a lot of injuries in their secondary. I don't think that fares well versus the Rams. The Rams have a great they I mean they the Rams have one of the more underrated receiving 
receiving um, groups in the league. Their receiving group is really good. They're talented. They have two good tight ends. Uh, I think I just think this is a bad matchup for the 49ers. They got some injuries on the on the on the secondary, and they have injuries on the offensive line. The Rams D line looks strong, and plus, the Rams receiving group is a really good group. I'm gonna take the Rams to win this football game, 31 to 23. I don't think the 49ers would do enough offensively. Um. So the next game, the first Monday night game, um, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Uh, I think Mahomes and Andy Reid bounce back this week from a tough division loss, a tough loss versus a rival. They're going to come in here, beat the Bills. Uh, it's going to be really tough because it's at Buffalo, but I don't think Buffalo has fans. So you know the home game really don't really matter, but I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win. I think this is gonna be a shootout because I don't trust neither deep neither defense at this at this juncture. So I'm gonna go with the Chiefs to win, thirty six to the Buffalo Bills thirty one thirty six thirty one Chiefs, and then Sunday Night Football. The Arizona Cardinals versus the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I can't wait for this game. I'm going to tell you this. I don't think the Cowboys would be able to get enough stops versus Kyler Murray and, um, and DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals. I don't think the Cowboys would get enough stops. I do think the Cowboys would be able to, they'll be able to move the football a little bit. But I don't think they will get enough stops to slow down Kyler Murray. I think Arizona wins this football game. I'm going to go with a score of 30 to 24, 30, 24. I just don't think the Cowboys get enough stops. Those are my week six predictions. I'm going to get out of here. Catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for continuing to tune in to the Isaiah Kid podcast. Continue to share and click. You guys are doing a great job with clicking and clicking and clicking. Keep streaming this podcast on whatever DSPs you guys are using. Um, like I said, big time week, big time sports weekend, playoff baseball, a great slate of NFL games. You got a great boxing match, Lomachenko versus Lomachenko versus Lopez. That's going to be a great boxing match. Can't wait to watch that. I'm going to see that. Also, you got UFC, Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. That should be some great matches. So, great sports week um, overall. A great sports week weekend. A great sports weekend ahead of us. But I catch you guys later. Um, I'm going to be out. So we catch you guys on Wednesday. Uh, some NBA, we had a little bit of everything. NBA talk, talked about Clayton Kershaw a little bit. Football, top 10 teams. We did good today. Uh, we did we did really good today. Catch you guys um, next week. Coming in next week on the next episode. Catch you guys. Always remember two choices, one decision. 
and I am out.